Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence this evening. Lord, tonight I would like to talk about the number 153 in a couple different ways relating to the week of Passover. Because it's very much tied to this work of Passover and the work of what you're doing in the kingdom at this time. I'd like to point out a couple of those items. Dear Lord, I'd also like to talk about the situation we're in right now. Because, Lord, we're approaching the greatest deception in history. We're already in it, but, dear Lord, the, it's becoming obvious. Lord, I've explained, and many people are explaining, that that our government has moved military equipment <clears throat> on ships to Beirut. They've orchestrated this false flag event of the sarin gas, which makes no sense at all. The evidence in the testimony is overwhelming that it's all false, which is very common, and we should understand that because the leaders of the world are all united in this together. It, it just doesn't even make any sense. First off, sarin gas is odorless. A, a drop of it the size of a pinhead will kill you <clears throat> and will kill a person quickly. And then also, if it's in the air, it's, it's even worse. And dear Lord, these people are going around touching these bodies with bare hands. The, and the, even the children's bodies that they're talking about are being killed. The ones that are dead, you can see trauma marks on them. In other words, they were killed with blunt force, not by gas. And people are talking about, oh, the gas hits you right away, the smell of it. And the fact is, sarin is, is um, odorless, so they couldn't smell it. And it's so deadly. So everything about this story is false. They've given evidence. It was even in the news prior to it that they were going to run an exercise and they were going to create this story about a gas thing. So that's even in the news. I mean, they, they got the evidence of it in the news. And then you have President Trump using this as an agenda and claiming, I mean, even if you try to claim that he doesn't know, which is impossible, because this is all orchestrated by all the leaders and he's now proven himself to be of them by doing this and sending those uh, weapons. Now, these weapons were released in the time of Obama the ones that went to Germany and then they moved to Romania and all that. But all, Trump is carrying it on and he acts like he's not going to do it. And two days ago, he said he wouldn't attack uh, <clears throat> Syria and Assad. And then today he's saying that, oh, that crossed the line. This false flag event of false children dying of gas is now being used to start a war just like WMDs was used as an excuse for the Iraq it's a terrible thing what's going on, but this is all foretold. The other thing that doesn't make any sense at all is that Russia is so powerful and has so, equip so much equipment in Syria, and they have the aircraft carriers. They even had a Chinese aircraft carrier there for a while. And if they wanted to get rid of ISIS, because, you know, if they wanted to do that and stop this, the rebels and so forth, they would have done it. They could have wiped them out in no time flat. So... You know, it's obvious that they're all working together. Russia's president, Putin, is working with Trump and the Crown Trust. They're getting their instructions from the central source, which is the Crown Trust, which is running the world. And as I've explained to you, this Dr. Nicholson, who works for Rothschild, is in charge of wars and depopulation, is calling the shots. 
the Rothschilds and the Queen are calling the shots, and she's implementing it, and she's over top of these generals and presidents and so forth. they got to listen to her. So all these people are united in bringing forth this war. And it's sad to see, but the people should be extremely aware of the situation that they're being lied to. I've explained to you how the Senate and the Congress lie all the time to the people. And there are generals in the military, FBI agents, DHS agents, have no clue of what they're doing. They're just working for the leaders that the Lord told them to come out from. If you work for the DHS, if you work the FBI, you work for the Justice Department, and you do not know the leaders of the Crown Trust, and you do not know the leaders of the Knights of Templar, then you're being deceived because these people trained ISIS. They trained the leaders who train ISIS. They're in charge of these terrorist groups, the Mossad, the Knights of Templar, and the Saudi Secret Service all work together, and so does Russia. We put the, the technology into Russia to ramp them up to keep make them capable for these days, as we did in China. It's all united war, exactly what the Lord says in Zechariah 14.1, and we're not paying attention. I'm just trying to scream it from the rooftops and the housetops. It doesn't matter what you believe me. You better believe the scriptures because you're going to be judged by his words and by his instruction. And we have not done what is required. Now, speaking of not doing what is required, is a very interesting thing. It is not clear where the four cups of the wine for the cedar service, the Passover meal service, is from. It is not clear that it was kept in the past, in the times of Jesus. If you look in the scriptures, the only thing you see is in Luke uh, 22, it is, yeah, 22, verses 17 and 20, where it talks about the at least two times the Lord took the cup and made a thing of, with it with his disciples. The first time uh, he was talking about it, he was, gave him what is now called the communion process, which he tells us <clears throat> he took the cup and gave thanks in verse 17 of Luke 22 and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he goes on and says uh, in verse 20, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe is that man by whom he is betrayed. You know, we have the same kind of thing at this time, by the way. Zechariah 14, 12, he says, Those who betray his people, those that come against his people of the New Jerusalem. In other words, this is the, the city of peace. Those who walk in righteousness are those who have the the kingdom of God, which is what the Jerusalem brings forth, <clears throat> the foundation of peace. The meaning of Jerusalem is a foundation of peace, which is made by the way of his words that have enabled the good promises of God to be done. So those that come against it in Zechariah 14, 12, he tells them they're going to get this terrible plague with their eyes are uh, dissolved in their eye socket and their tongue is dissolved in their mouth. This is not a nuclear explosion, as people said. This is God showing them that he controls every particle. It's like a, 
the scroll rolls, being rolled up, the star is being rolled up like the scroll. It's the same thing. He's controlling all the particles. He's numbered them. He's given them the work that they're to do at a given time. And when they do not see the truth and they come against his truth and come against his words and his commands that he's told them to take, he will dissolve their tongue and dissolve their eyes. That does not mean they die. He's then going to give them the boils all over their body, which is going to eat away the skin. They're going to be like Job had suffered those boils like that. But they're also going to have their limbs withered, which Job also said that his limbs uh, were aching and dead um, in great trouble. So we see this coming at that, that time. Well, it's very much like this at that time, what Jesus is talking about there. But he's also saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Remember, I've told you that his blood is not like ours. His blood was of the Father, which had one chromosome, and of Mary, which is of the waters, which has 23 chromosomes. And White, uh, Ron Wyatt proved this. And they basically, I believe, caused him to be poisoned for this, made him sick, and he died of the disease, which they are fully capable of giving because that's the worst thing in the plan that they have is they do not want Jesus to be proven a Messiah because they're raising up and grooming a Messiah just like they groom the presidents that they put in place. They're grooming a Messiah. And I've heard all about this Messiah that they're grooming, preparing for these times. They're going to say God sent it. Yeah, right. Um, and the Queen sent him, and the Rothschilds sent him. They prepared him. The Vatican, the Holy, uh, what they call the Holy See in Paris, have been working to prepare him for these days and train him, just like uh, Obama was trained by uh, Al Mansour and others, Warren Buffett and others. They oversaw his bringing up and preparing him for these times, and Kissinger and so on. And so Trump has been prepared like this. I remember in meetings. Uh, I wasn't in the meetings, but I was in uh, uh, Zurich when Trump was there, and he was meeting with people of the system. He's been a puppet of the system for a long time. This was in the 90s. So it, it, you can tell that he's been working with them for a long time. He's not cleaning the swamp. His people that he's got are worse than that. He brought in the guy who was commerce secretary, is the guy who ran the bankruptcies uh, department for and the banking side with doing the work for bringing in the technology funding the, the secret companies that are destroying the earth and all that this is the commerce secretary and you can tell they put all these people in place for these times and trump is part of this this lying and deceiving the people that sending these weapons down to beirut uh, which is you know just a quick drive away from damascus by land the quickest route to D damascus is through there and they brought those ships now, and they arrived yesterday. They're sitting. They've been proven that they're in port. And uh, those two big ships with all this equipment on them. And what is, it, what is it there for? And then why did they have this false sarin gas thing come up like this? It's clearly false. Everything these people are doing is a lie. And we're buying in on it, which is a terrible thing for us. Now, let's look at uh, this is important. Um, oh, when we're talking about the cups also, this is a very interesting thing. Irregardless of how they got to this point, they drink, then the Jewish cedar Passover thing that they typically do, they have four cups that they do in their service that they put together. And then there's a fifth cup called the Elijah cup. Well, it's very interesting 
because the Elijah cup is symbolic of the Messiah coming at this time. And they're expecting the Messiah. But it, it's very intriguing that if they would look and read in Joel 2, 12 to 20, they, they and we are the hindrance that's keeping the Messiah from coming. So we put out this cup every year on Passover, and yet we deny it doing what is required in the day of the Lord since the beginning of the day of the Lord, which is back in 2003. Every year for 14 years, we could have enabled the bridegroom to come, according to Joel 2, 12 to 20, because God caused his light to the world, which signified Zechariah 14, 7, which was the entrance of his words, gives light, Psalms 119, 130. And he told us that the day of the Lord would begin with the entrance of light. Exactly what he says also in Revelation 18, 1 to 4. And he told us in 18, 1 to 4, that when that light shines on the earth, and, they t and it means that Babylon has fallen, the words are ready. That's what this covenant of the cup, the second cup that Jesus is talking about in Luke uh, 22, 20, is all about. He says, this is the blood of the covenant. He paid the price of his blood to open to us the temple veil so that we could go into the Father and receive the words that overcome the world, the words of God. And so this is what that cup is about. And they're having the fifth cup they set aside and pour the wine for the Messiah, but they don't do anything. It's called the Elijah cup, the messianic cup. It's the prophetic cup. And Every year, the Lord has been ready. In Joel 2, 12 to 20, he says he's waiting on us. Let the bridegroom come. But we will not do what it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20. I've heard, um, you know, like the, the governor of Texas who ran for president, he read that into Houston Stadium. Foolishly, the guy was working with the, the, the guy that was in charge in Texas um, of the DHS in Texas, states that he, I heard from the people that worked directly under him, he was claiming that he's of the Knights of Templar, which is a terrible thing. The Knights of Templar are the ones doing the evil works, training the, they're in charge and helping and oversee the drugs all over the world. They oversee the mafia. They oversee all these works on behalf of the Crown Trust. And they, they train the terrorists. They train the secret services. They train all these people. They work with the secret companies. They deceive the nations. They murder and assassinate leaders, and they do all the dirty work of the Crown Trust. And I knew the two sons of the head of the Knights of Templar, and his uncles were the ones that were in charge of the Knights of Templar's offices in WTC7 that they moved them in uh, July and August, right before September 11th. And then they said very clearly that they always used the Mossad to do their works, and these guys are architects. architects. This is what they, you know, they're in charge of buildings and structures and so forth. And you think they weren't involved with taking down 9-11, the, the, the towers? All these people are involved. And who do they work with? They work with Jeb Bush. They interface with President Bush mostly through Jeb Bush. And it was Jeb Bush that came down in 2000, in, in uh, June of 2000, June and July. And they set up the hanging Chad thing at, at, the, at the voting places. So it's just, this is all deceit and so forth. And so they're talking about this, and they read Joel 2, 12 to 20, but it's running for president campaign. What a hypocrisy. Because that verses, if they would pay attention, they're telling you, God is telling them right there that let the bridegroom come. 
Rick Perry was his name, and let the bridegroom come. What a terrible thing to do and not listen to the words and all the shepherds that raved and all this and support and so on. It's all such a, it's, it's just a sin because when the words are open, God says, come out from following these leaders. They're deceivers. They're all working and following the devil's commands. And he told them not to do this when the words are open, Revelation 18, 1 to 4. So the fifth cup, that is the Messiah's cup, the Elijah's cup, they call it, is talking about the fact that the, the Messiah is coming. But the people that take the Passover and celebrate and everything are the all of us are, are the hindrance to God sending the bridegroom. He's been wanting to do it since the beginning of the day of the Lord 14 years ago. And every year we've denied him. So the, when we when you take a bot and think about, and you, even if you have a cup that says Elijah's cup on it, be ashamed. Be greatly ashamed because it's us holding back the bridegroom from coming. It's us keeping us to come out of the bride. Uh, right out of the bridal chambers. As he says in Joel 2, 12 to 20, read that. He'll tell you that. And God is saying, hey, do this, and I will hear you, and I'll intervene. But instead, we've allowed all this evil to come. Now we have all these weapons over there ready to have this gigantic war, and and, and where the Lord says he's going to make Damascus a ruinous heap because he knew us. He knew like what he said when you're going to go 400 years into captivity. Do you know there's a very interesting statement in, in Job, in Job 42, he talks about in there that Job was returned to his captivity. You know, they, they changed the wording of it. Um, so it says that, you know, he, he didn't go back to captivity, but he was rewarded. Yes, he was rewarded, but he was returned to his captivity. You go read the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, and you're going to see he was returned to captivity. What that mean? After he went through his struggles, God did heal him and everything else, but he returned him back to the way of man. So then he rewarded him all these things. But understand, we still did not overcome the world. We have to over, as it says, and I talked about last night in Daniel 9.24, we have to overcome the transgression. And when, he, when we understand that we are captive to the world because we will not set ourselves apart by his words as, as required in John 17, 17, we are captive to the world. And because of that, we're doing what Eve was warned of. It says you will surely die. See, our thing here is we cannot be raptured until we are set apart by truth. We cannot be raptured until we overcome the world. We have to overcome those four things we talked about last night in Revelation 15.2, which are the things of the beast. The beast, his image, his mark, and his number. We have to overcome those. That's completing the transgression, which means we've come out from the way of sin and desired to have his words written on our heart. When we do that, then we've overcome. But see, the Lord let Job go back. He's trying to show his great work of Job. Job was a wonderful man. In all that he did, he was very righteous. But still, it's like the devil, you know, he struck him with all that. And what happened? Job broke down and complained and grumbled. and ran. But, you know, he even wanted to, he talked about, let me die. Let me, why was I even born? And all those other things. See, these are the thoughts of man. We don't understand the ways of God. Job did. He was marvelous. Could any of us come through like Job? 
and God warned him, but it says at the end of that, in Job 42, he returned him to his captivity, which means the way of the heart of man. We want to do one thing that we didn't do, and even Job didn't do. And and uh, even John the Baptist, he's, you know, he says in the kingdom of God, John was the least of them, even though he's a marvelous prophet, marvelous man. Of the men of the earth, he was the greatest. But to be of a son of God to whom the word come, John 10 34 to 37, those are like a son of God, like a little God. And that's the heart that we got to get right now. We got to come by this. And what I wanted to point out is when we come to Passover and we're talking about the Elijah cup, remember that we're at fault. The opportunity to receive the bridegroom has been yelled out, yelled out, yelled out, yelled out for 14 years. And we refuse to believe it. Other words, let the bridegroom come because he's going to bring judgment. He's going to let these people go forth and do the desires of the heart. God is going to cause that so he can bring his son and they're going to commit their sins so that they can be judged because he tells us in Revelation 18, 1 to 4, we're going to share, receive, if we don't come out from following these, we're going to receive a share of their sins. Other words, he's going to cause them to go ahead and do their sins that they have in their heart. He's going to shake the earth and the heavens, and the people are going to do what is in their heart to do. If our heart is for the Lord, we're going to turn, and we're going to want to receive the words of God and have the Lord circumcise our heart. But if we're not willing to do that and we aren't willing for the kingdom to come and aren't willing to lose this life that we have here. See, Jesus says, don't love your life to death. He's talking about the way of the world. We have our house. We have our cars. We have our joyous golf tournaments and all that other stuff. Get rid of it. I mean, understand that the kingdom of God, I don't think we'll see these things. We've got a whole different kind of plan to do, but we don't want that life. Those people in paradise will never come back. If we understood the joy that they have, they'd never come back. We've got to understand these things. That's why the Lord is they're, they're totally joyous up there. We have to come to this. We have to understand this heart. We've got to have our heart changed. We've got to get rid of the transgression, which is the desire of man and the position of man and all these things we desire. We want people in the way of this world to recognize us. No. No, walk humbly before him and be of the way of the kingdom of God. Don't want to be of this world and get attention from others and get everything else. That's not of God. That's just continuing in our captivity. We're still captive to our lust, our desires, our idols, the rest of it. We want to get rid of all that and walk humbly before our God and enjoy the kingdom. Bring forth to the kingdom of God that everybody's joyous, the animals are pleased, Snakes won't bite. All these kind of things are of the kingdom of God. Peace. That's what we want. That's what the Messiah Cup is all about. And we've rejected the Messiah Cup. Now, let me tell you, tonight, by the way, is officially, the, the if you look at the Lord's calendar, according to the scriptures, not according to the Jewish calendar or their accounting system, that their even their regular accounting system is off, because it should start with the first light being the first day, the first glimmer of light, the 1% of the moon showing at least 1%. And that, that is the new moon. Because the new moon is all about God sending the light into the world, which is what the sign was we're being looking for. We're not looking for black moon. We're looking for the sign of the light beginning to come into the world. And that's what it is. And the 14th is a very important timing. The 14th of Nisan. 
because the new moon starts, that, that's the first day of the week, the new moon. And then the first day of the week is the second, second of Nisan. And then it goes on, and the eighth day is the Sabbath. And then the ninth day, which is this evening, is the ninth of Nisan, according to the Lord's calendar. And this is the night that Jesus, they had the banquet for him. And the next morning is when he came into the city, did his triumphal entry. He walked around and took account of all things. Because it was supposed to be that the Spirit of the Lord was there. And on the second day is the words of wisdom. That is when the way of wisdom. And that evening he went out to Bethany and then uh, and ate and, uh, overnight. And then the next morning he comes into the city again. And this time on the way he curses the fig tree because it didn't produce fruit. Because we're going to be judged by the words. That's symbolic of judging by the words. The second day is always the way of the words of wisdom. And that it is like the firmament. The firmament has the words in it. The words are what judges us. So on the second day is like that. The second day of creation is like that. So on the second day, tomorrow night will be that night. And then the next day, the seventh uh, of Nisan, which is going to be our, um, let's see, tomorrow's Thursday. And then tomorrow, Friday. Our Friday is going to be the day that he walks in, curses the fig tree. And um, is that right? I'm, I'm lost in the days here. I hope I got this right. Yeah, today's Wednesday. Sorry. Um, and so Friday is the seventh. And that's the day that he came into the city. On the way, he curses the fig tree. And then that's when he takes and creates a uh, whip of... Uh, Cords. He, he strings cords together to make a whip, and then he chases the people, the money changers, the dove sellers out. He, he chases the dove sellers out of the temple, and he um, overturns the money changers' tables and creates a commotion and casts them out. And that is because it says that my house shall be a house of prayer. What is a prayer? A prayer is a communication to God. And he says in, we are to do it in the way of his voice, which is the words of God. We are to discern his words and communicate to God in the way of the words of God. Jesus says, John 8, 43 to 47, that you don't uh, discern my speech. You don't understand my speech because you do not discern my words. And if you don't discern the words of God, you're not of God. You're not of the Father. John 14, 23 to 24 tells us that we are... Um, uh, if we don't we don't love him, if we will not discern his words, he said, if, if you're ashamed of his words, you'll be ashamed of uh, us when he comes. And there are people that are ashamed of his words. They, they call it abomination for the pits of hell I and mean, people tear up writings and so forth and even uh, have them burnt by fire. And I had other preachers that threw the writings in the trash can. I feel sorry for all these because they're not it doesn't matter to me. But what you're doing is you're, you're going against the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what is in the full measure of these words of God. And so when you do that, you're coming against the Lord. And so by Friday, I'm saying watch out because the Lord could be casting out a lot of people out of his temple and there'll be a lot of shepherds chased out of there. Now, they may still be there, but I'm telling you from the spirit point of view, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And there's a... Like I said last night, there's the prophetic word of the 14th of Nisan, which is the Passover, uh, the sixth day of the week, when Jesus was killed on the cross. Um, that week is when the Lord says in the book of Enoch that he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. 
on the seventh month on the which is under the Enoch calendar would be Nisan and the fourteenth day. So if that's when he shakes the heavens and the earth, that means that that is that punishment that's going to come. That is the spirit beginning to stir them up, to cause them to come forth, to do whatever evil or whatever good is in their heart. If they have a desire for good, they'll have a spirit that will start to turn them. So you can understand if, to, if to, today is the uh, 6th of uh, April, you're, you're looking at the fact that you're going to have um, what you're going to have is the next Sabbath is uh, next well, that would be Tuesday the 11th would be the day that the Lord is going to shake heavens and earth. And he usually does this, I think, during the evening time. Or he may do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or at noontime. Uh, because the Lord, uh, at noon, the earth got dark. And I think that's really showing the way these people were. So it may be that at noon, he's going to cause the darkness to come on the earth. And you may not see it. You may not recognize it. But the Spirit of God is going to move because he said, and even in prophetic word these days, he says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And that would be the day that he would do it according to the book of Enoch. And, you know, it's, it makes sense on the, on the scripture point of view. But there's also something else that makes sense in regard to that, and it's the way of the um, number 153. I've explained many times what the number 153 means. But what you may not understand is it is very much tied to the Passover. And specifically, it's tied to the Passover of uh, on the uh, 14th, or the 14th of Nisan, which would be the 11th of April. And it's in the afternoon when they've killed the, the Passover lamb. Now, if you go to the scriptures, you'll see in Exodus 12:21. That says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take, your, uh, take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Kill the Passover. Passover lamb. Kill it. That Passover, as it's spelled in that verse, the Passover, what that is, the gematria, the numeric value of that word is 153 in that particular verse. Because the normal word for um, Passover, Pachat, is uh, it's Pesach, they call it. Um, that uh, word in Hebrew is has a gematria of 148. And most of the time, that is exactly how it is spelt. But in that particular verse of Exodus 12:21, it's spelt and it comes a gematria of 153, which is very important because the number 153, as I pointed out, is the number of the the spirit of God, or the words of God. And it's interesting that it's also when he says the side, remember there's four sides to the firmament. There's four walls. Each side has a gematria of 153. The word side has a gematria of 153 in the Greek. But if you, there's a lot of mathematical uh, tendencies to that uh, because that number is, you know, the gematria of 153 Besides 153 great fish, as explained, which is the he would in this way he manifested his way, and he showed us in uh, John 21. And I've written a lot about this in the book A Testimony of Numbers, and if you go there and start on page 55 or so, you'll see um, that it talks a lot about the number 153 and the number 1224, uh, which is also very important. You know, 
1224 is 8 times 153, and 8 is the number of regeneration. And the fishes, uh, the gematria of fishes as it's used there, is 8 times 153. And the net is uh, the same, 8 times 153. But they use the net, the dragon, the fishes. That's regeneration. By regeneration, gathering the words, we will be given eternal life. He tells us this in John 5.24. He says that if we will hear his voice, which means discern his words, and believe in the promises of God, we will have eternal life and pass through these judgments. We set apart from the world, John 17.17, 17, by his words. Jesus said we must have this to, to be uh, to be to be set apart, he requiring God to do this for us. So we know that God is going to cause a shaking of the heavens and the earth so that the spirit will rise up between us and decide whether we are evil or good. It, it, as it says in Hebrews 4.12, it's going to discern the intents of the heart. And if our heart is intended to be evil, that's the transgression that we were supposed to get over with, as I've told you, and requirement of Daniel 9.24. It's the first thing we're required to separate ourselves from that transgression by desiring to have a heart of his words written in our heart as the law so that we can know the light and follow the light and have what we desire, John 15.7. So we, we know this. And also it says, I am the Lord thy God. That uh, in uh, Isaiah 43, 3, it says, for I, am the, for I am the Lord to God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. And um, this is important for us to understand this. And it's also in, in Numbers 12, 7. It's, it means he is faithful. Uh, he shall cause to inherit in Deuteronomy 1, 38. Those are all sons of God in Genesis 6, 4. And uh, the side, as it says in John 21. Now, all those have a gematria of 153. You can say, well, I don't believe in numbers, but numbers do testify to the scriptures. It, you know, God is a God of numbers. He, Moses told us to number our days. We should understand the way of our days. We don't do it. We're not paying attention to what's really important. But, and the other thing about 153, if, if you take any of the numbers, uh, any whole number, and you, um, you tr what do you call the Trinity function? In other words, you take each number and you cube it. And to keep doing that, one-third of all those numbers will end up, when you've cubed them, they'll come back to the number 153. It's a testimony to what Jesus said that he's going to cause in Zechariah 13. He says that it will come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, which the fire is the wrath of God, and will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested, and they will call upon my name, which is the word of God, Revelation 19, 11, 13, and I will answer them. Just like he says in Joel 2, 12 to 20, if we will do that, what it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20, he will let the bridegroom come and he will answer us. God will separate the world from us. The northern army is the world army. Zechariah 14.1. It's all the nation's leaders are combined to do this deceit against all the people of the nations. It is a shame in Syria what's happening to them, but they need to look at their leader because he has secretly signed on to the law of the sea treaty with, with Putin and the Bushes, all the rest of them, have all signed on to this law of the sea treaty and their merchant families and so on, have all signed on to it, 
to put the queen as the, as the Holy Roman Empress and Rothschild to control all gold and silver. They have all agreed to this, and they've agreed to this one world order de um, extermination plan to kill more than 99% of all the people. So all the people of the nation should be looking at their leaders and saying, look, God has told us we are not to follow you, and God has told us that you don't have a right of dominion. It's been taken away from you. You have no authority, and God will bring you down, and he's going to bring you down. It's just a matter of your time. He's going to let you do your evil so that you can destroy yourselves and receive will, uh, by your willful sin, Hebrews 10, 26, 27, you are guaranteed his wrath. Guaranteed his wrath. And it's going to come upon them. But one third is going to come through the, 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 the testing of these things. It's going to bring one third of the people of the land. It's, the whole earth is his land. Understand this. The whole earth is his land. He is the copyright owner. He is the owner of all things. He's going to bring one third in it. He says, well, two thirds shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. Please. He's also saying he's going to strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones and it shall come to pass in all the land. Please understand that the shepherds of the earth right now are in great trouble. Zechariah 10.3 says he's angry at all the shepherds because his people are all goat herds. In other words, they're walking in the way of the world. They have not got over their transgression. They've not put an end to iniquity. He tells you in Isaiah 27, the iniquity of Jacob, those zealous for the Lord, is that they allow these idols to stand. we got idols everywhere. And God is saying he's going to take away all the power of the words of those idols. In other words, those idols are made by the work of words. The devil has had them do it. So it is empowering them. Because this is their desire to believe in these false idols and so forth. God has said he will in Psalms, excuse me, Proverbs 1, 20 to 33, he will let them have the way of their desires. So he has allowed them to believe that they're strengthened and um, empowered by drinking blood of children and so on. But now he's going to end all that and he's going to punish it. And it's going to go down to dust and crumbles because he's going to destroy them for that. So this is their punishment. It's coming. Some of them, you know, God's going to allow it to, to work its way out because he wants to test all the people. So he won't kill them all at once. He won't, you know, he's going to give plagues to all the wicked ones and so forth so they can see that he's in control and power and hopefully they will turn. But they're hard-headed. They won't even turn during the bold judgments. So many of them will not turn. He's, that's why he says two-thirds of the people on earth right now, which is seven billion, so more than four billion some people are going to die in the next ten years. Get that number in your head. Over 4 billion people are going to die. However, if it happened right now, the, if, the, if the queen and Rothschild had their way, over 7 billion people would die this year. In this coming year, they would kill 7 billion. God's going to intervene to stop them so they can't accomplish what they're planning to do. So he's going to stop them. They're going to be punished greatly for this. But still, He's still saying in Zechariah 13 that over 4 billion people are going to die. Over 4 billion people are going to die. Roughly 2 billion, 300 some thousand are going to be pulled through because he says, I will pull one third through. So maybe it's 2 billion, 250 million people he's going to save. But the people in the, I understand why would he kill that many others? It's because they will not get over the transgression of their heart. They do not want to hear God. 
they do not want to receive the words and they do not want to believe in, in God. But this is of all the people on earth, this is going to happen. And 153 is the most unusual number. It's the only one that does that. That one third of all numbers converts by the Trinity function back to 153, testifying of Zechariah 13. Now also, the word, the number 148, which is 148, which the normal spelling of Passover is 148. And it, in Exodus 12:27, it says that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and covered our house, delivered our houses and the people bowed their head and worshiped. Bowed the head and worshiped. Please understand that what the Lord is saying here is in Jeremiah 16, he says that the, this event that we're going to see now, right now, what's coming now, is going to be greater than the time of the Exodus. So it makes sense that the calling of the Lord would be at the Passover time. And he did everything about the way of the Passover week. You know, interesting is the number 148, also the number clay, which I told you we have to anoint the eyes with eye salve so we can see Revelation um, 3, 14 to 22. That's um, 148. Promises in 2 Corinthians 120 is 148. Always is ever and always in the Hebrew spelling is 148. The sons of God in Job 38.7, Ben Elohim, is that. So um, understand, and flour, he going to refine us like flour, he said. And that number is 148. Besides, victory is 148. So these things are important. He gives victory. Passover is symbolic of the Lord, victory over the world by his words. That's what it's symbolic of. Now, in the Passover week, also understand that the first day of the week is the first day of the third uh, week that he uh, came to the disciples. He came to them in late in the day of the first day of the week. And it's interesting, what he did right away was he blew upon them the spirit, which is what the symbolic of the first day of the week is, the spirit of the Lord. I believe he came very late in that day because the next thing it's recorded in Luke 24, 44, and 45 is that, well, he ate the fish and stuff. So that tells us that it was the early evening. It's time to eat the evening dinner meal that was prepared. He eats of this fish. And then what's he do? He does the thing of making known his words. Luke 24, 44, and 45. He said, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was with you. I believe that that evening, which would be the evening of the second, see, they came in, it came in the late part of the day before sundown to the disciples in the upper room because it said he came to them on the first day of the week and then was into the evening, which is the beginning of the second day. And what's he do on the second day? He makes known his words of wisdom. And that's symbolic of that. And I believe that's when that happened in Luke 24, 44, and 45. That's why it's so close together there. But anybody that knows the way of the Spirit would know that third week is the week of understanding. And what's he do? He gives them the words. And how, when time are the teacher to give the words? In the evening time of the, of the day. Deuteronomy 6, 4, 9. Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. So it's perfect timing. And everything that the Lord did during the Passover week was done by the ways of the Spirit. For example, we talk about the Elijah's cup, but he had, he had the, the Last Supper was on the evening of the fifth day of the week. 
Remember that in the evening of the sixth day of the week, he was in the Roman prison. Because earlier in that day, he was judged by Pilate at noon. But he was put on the cross at 9 a.m. So it wasn't until the next morning at 9 a.m. on the, what, the sixth day of the week, which is the 14th of Nisan, that he would have been put on the cross. He'd have been taken from the prison early in the morning from the guards and brought, you know, they walked him along that road. Um, and remember also that on the, the fifth day of the week, um, that evening, uh, I mean, the day of the fifth day of the week is when they uh, whipped him with the with the, the whip to, on his back. And he was left extremely weak and he was strengthened that day. And the next morning he came. But you can imagine how sore he was with all that wounds on his back and his beard that it pulled out and all that other stuff that they did to him. And, you know, and as he was going along, there's people spitting on him. We, we don't know. But they certainly did that on the fifth day of the week. Which fifth day of the week? Consider what that is. It's the might of God. See, he came to fulfill the strength of God. And these people judged him and everything on the fifth day of the week. And on the sixth day of the week, you're talking about the knowledge of God, the knowledge of your dominion, what you're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. And on the sixth day of the week, they, they killed our, our Savior. So terrible. The, the day that they're ex I mean, the priest, the rabbis should have been doing the lamb, the Passover lamb for the knowledge of bringing forth the kingdom of God. And they did it all right. But man, what a price to pay. Woe to those who said who did this and woe to those who deceived the people uh, to do this. And so you see this week is like this. Even on the second day, the words of wisdom cursed the fig tree. On the third day, they saw it was withered. That was understanding. And he taught on the third and fourth day. He's, um, he was teaching on the end times, especially on the fourth day. And that counsel of the Lord is the fourth day. And so he's telling them all of these things that's to happen. So much happened in his way of the Spirit. I have a writing that I'm going to be sending out. Um, it just summarizes all the events. I'm going back over it, making sure it's right. In the next day or so, I will send it out. Uh, I'll post it on the website and you'll be able to get it. But it goes through and lists all the events and the scriptures of the Passover week uh, so that you can see what they are. And it talks about the number 153 and that so that you can understand that relating to these times. And I hope to have that posted in the next day or two and for you to look at. And it's very important what's about to happen. And we should understand it. But we should also understand what's going on around us. I've testified that, you know, these, these soldiers, if they attack Beirut, I mean, they go with Beirut to Damascus. If the president does this and goes in there and they, he's provoked the world war. They're already saying also at this time that he's doing the thing with North Korea. And he told China that, you know, they, they crossed the line. There's no, that's too late for North Korea. So he's got those bombers ready to go and the rest of it. And I, I don't know if the, the Lord will allow them to do the bombing before uh, the summer because the harvest is in the summer, but they may do some spring um, bombing and so forth. They're certainly giving us all the knowledge that we need to understand the evil intent of our leaders, of the leaders of all the nations combined against the people of the world, not just Amer Americans and Israelites. They're, they're against all of them. And Netanyahu and them are as evil as they come. They, the Mossad has worked with the Knights of Templar. I've testified to you of it doing evil things. You can read um, Chip Tatum's testimony of uh, the Mossad working with Bush and them and the drugs and so forth. Um, and he flew flights for them and even uh, took uh, Perez into Nicaragua to see the drug, 
things. And I sat in meetings with the Knights of Templar Sons, and they talked about how their family's in charge of all the, the mobs. I sat in meetings where mob uh, heads of mob called them on the phone to get instructions. Nancy Nicholson, the lady in charge of all the wars and everything else, called them to tell them to, that, to tell the people in Las Vegas to, to allow them to put the, uh, some secret stuff on the wall so they could spy on the people and recognize how much currency and so forth that they have so that they could record it for the world purposes, not for the casinos. The casino guys benefit from it too, but they, they were doing it for the world system purposes. They spy on everybody and so forth. But this is, you know, I have a testimony that they actually work together, that they're all united under one purpose. And these guys are in charge of mobs all over the world, not just in America. They're talking about all over the world they have this, and they have villas all over the world. Please, people, we have to understand and wake up. We're seeing all this in front of us, and we will not do anything about it. We will not turn to the Lord. I'm not asking to protest. I'm asking you to do what the Lord says in Joel 2, 12 to 20, and do what he says. I'm not important. God is absolutely important. I can help you try to understand the scriptures. But the Lord is in charge. And he's to be king now. We've not done what we're required to do. And we're in great trouble for this. And we do not see how trouble we're in. And we're not even afraid. We're not even fearful. Even if you have the words, you should be fearful of God at this time. Because this is the judgment time. And we, we are not ready for him. We don't have the heart that he's looking for. We must get over this transgression of our hearts. We ask the Lord to help us in this. Lord, we pray. People will understand you're going to shake the heavens and the earth. That means you're going to loose the spirit to cause the people to know whether they're evil or good. And, Lord, I pray that people understand that we're a long way from good. And, Lord, I pray that they will understand that only God is good, and that means we have to enable the good works of God, which we cannot do in these days if you take away the right to call upon him in your words, which enables the good works. And if we don't have the words, we're not of God, and we will not receive the words that you told us in John 17, 17. We're required to be set apart by his truth which is his words and he told us from the beginning as paul warns that he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth in other words he desires we come to the knowledge of truth and we will not do it lord i pray that we will be shocked in our hearts and turn and, and love you father and speak it out lord let the people receive the spirit father and please father if there's any way Father. Pull them to your truth, Lord. Pull them towards the good and not evil. Let them understand this is the time to cleanse our hearts and receive the kingdom, the glorious kingdom. I mean, we're in the most glorious time. we got a little bit of troubles to go through, but the time that's coming, we're going to see the great temple. We're going to see the likeness of the Garden of Eden. We're going to see fruit pop up overnight. We're going to see animals that love one another that would never even be in the same corner. You can lay down with a lion or Put a hand in a viper pit. It will not matter in those days. Lord, we want to see those days come. But dear Lord, we're not ready. We're not suitable for the kingdom. We're not clean. Lord, help us be purified. Help us to put on a white garment. And help us to be refined. Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.